0: Alyasa Shabazz is an award-winning author, educator, and producer.
1: The pain never leaves. People expected me to be my father.
0: When you were born, though, Ruby Ridges still had to walk through that front door of the public school escorted by U.S. Marshals. Governor George Wallace was still to block black students from the university. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 yet had to be passed. There was so much that still had to be done. Do you feel that the progress that's been made has been enough? Um, well, no. Ilyasa Shabazz is an award-winning author, educator, and producer. She authored five historical novels and is currently producing a television series based on the life of Malcolm X with Sony Pictures Television's Trinestar. As the founder of Ilyasa Shabazz Enterprises, Ilyasa produces a variety of forums dedicated to power, possibility, and sovereignty. In recognition of her outstanding achievements in public service, education, and the arts, Worcester State University conferred Ilyasa Shabazz with a degree of Doctor of Humane Letters. She has worked with the Office of the Mayor in Mount Vernon as Director of Public Affairs and Special Events. As a member of the U.S. delegation, Ilyaza accompanied President Bill Clinton to South Africa to commemorate the election of President Nelson Mandela and the Education and Economic Development Initiatives. Currently, she's an adjunct professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York City, where she teaches perspectives on justice in the Africana world. Ilyaza Shabazz, welcome. Thank you so much, Kate. Absolutely. So there's a lot to talk about. And I would like to start with the fact that you're the daughter of two very famous figures in American culture, American history. And I think that can have, you know, two sides to it, right? It can be a blessing and a curse because for some children, it might feel like you have the weight of your parents on your shoulders, right? Of their legacy, but for others, it can serve like a, as an inspiration and, you know, a motivation to do better and to be better. So I was wondering how your parents being famous influenced you in your life.
1: I have often said that it's, it has been such a blessing to have had two parents who were um, humanitarians, um, who provided us with an environment that encouraged self-love, self-respect, um, Because I think that in order for one to love and and care for others, that they have to know how to first love and care for themselves. And I think what was really important for my mother was she made sure that each one of her six daughters, you know, in the absence of her husband, learned about the significant contributions that women made to the world, that people of the African diaspora, um, indigenous first world nations made to the world, and Islam made to the world. And so we grew up with a really strong sense of ourselves, loving who we are. So that if we saw injustice, you know, of any kind, that we would lend ourselves, right, because, for me you know i grew up loving who i am and as a result you know i saw myself as a reflection of you and you as a reflection of me hence if you um you know in- incurred any kind of injustice that i would you know leap in to help just as i would help myself
0: she instilled you with a kind of in compassion that otherwise you think you wouldn't have had.
1: That's right. Um, I think self-love was really important. And in order to love others, you have to know how to first love yourself.
0: And actually, speaking of, you know, loving others, you had a birthday uh, not too long ago. And what struck me during their birthday was that you had these amazing female friends who spoke movingly about their relationship with you. And it was quite touching, to be honest, for me to see that. How important are those friendships and role models to you? Um, They're
1: important. What I did is I invited mostly those who had either impacted me in some way in my life or whom I admired and respected much like yourself you know i admire you i respect you and and so i was very um deliberate in the people that i invited and i think you know most people said it was such a magical experience it was
0: magical actually i completely agree and that's why i wanted to bring it up because it's just it was You don't often see that because you have friends from you know when you were four three or four right and they spoke about you you know that they loved you just as much as the as they did then so i thought that was um very interesting to see and who are your role models
1: my role models um gosh well you know first and foremost and this is the truest you know god is extremely important in my life Um, My ancestors are extremely important in my life. My mother, my father, extremely important in my life. And many of my parents, friends, you know, who impacted our lives, you know, at a young age up until, you know, for as long as I can remember. Um, So there's so many different role models and, and, you know, some of my friends are also role models.
0: Right. Your mother um, is an interesting topic and we briefly spoke about this before the conversation. During my research for this interview, I watched a lot of interviews with her, right? And what struck me was that in those interviews, even the ones right after your father's passing or assassination, she spoke with a, you know, quiet reserve and calm strength and a spine that stood straight. And that, is something I really admired. So what I would like to ask you, she would be the kind of woman I would like to interview. Unfortunately, that's not possible. But if I could ask her to give advice to the next generation of women entrepreneurs, what do you think she would say?
1: Wow, that's a really good question. I have to think of what most people um, would tell me that she said after she passed away. Um, You know, I recently saw an interview that was done and, and the woman who was interviewing her had shared that she had lost her husband recent and asked my mother how long would this pain and discomfort last? And so my mother went on to share the pain that she endured having witnessed her husband's um, assassination. Um, she wasn't I don't think quite 30 and her husband, you know, was 39, Malcolm X, and that she said the pain never leaves, but one comes to adjust or adapt to, you know, the loss. And after she shared all of this about herself, she went on to give the interviewer, um, Enforcement, encouragement, and, you know, basically saying that. And you too, my dear, will learn to adjust to this loss. And I just thought that was beautiful and, and um, you know, indicative of who she was, that she was certainly empathetic, very encouraging. And I don't think she ever wanted anyone to not believe in themselves. And so she would encourage all women to know their value, know their worth, and to pursue whatever dreams they have. And along that, you know, along the way to ensure that they're giving something
0: back. Good advice. (laughs) (laughs) And what would your, because you're a role model now as well, what would your advice be? Would it be a similar advice?
1: Yeah, I think it would be similar. I think it's so important to recognize our value. You know, I think that when we recognize our value, we find our voice early in life. And when you find your voice, you know, there's nothing that stops you, right? That you you always believe that you can accomplish whatever it is you want. And you have to just set your mind to, you know, whatever these goals are and live a very purposeful
0: life. And so, but following that, you know, having confidence, I can imagine that that's not something that comes natural to everyone. Sometimes you might not feel it. Right. There must have been on your route because you're a successful woman entrepreneur. You are an author. You're a producer. You do so many things. But were there any setbacks during, you know, your career? And what were they? And how were you able to go through that with confidence?
1: Okay. So when I, when I was in college, you know, At my party, you learned I went to camp in Vermont, right? Um, I went to a girls prep school, right? Um, I had a very interesting journey. And by the time I went to college, people expected me to be my father or who they thought my father should be or was, right? And so they thought that I was gonna be this fiery, revolutionary, person that, you know, and what they found was someone who was like, say no to drugs, say no to teenage pregnancy, you know, say no to certain things. And I wasn't exactly who they thought I should be. And I had to push through that, right? It was a very difficult time for me.
0: And, did and you Did you at that time fully understand who your father had been?
1: Not at all. And so... Um, to your point, I had called my older sister and I was like, you know, who am I supposed to be? This was really, you know, difficult, but I was not the person that they expected. And she said, you don't have to pass a test to be Malcolm X's daughter. You already are. But what I got from that is if you have a good relationship with God, you know, understanding, you know, at the end of the day, that's, you know, the judge of how you're living your life. Um, and you can look in the mirror and, you know, like the person that you see, then that was very helpful for me.
0: And you speak of God. Are you religious?
1: Oh, I don't know about religious, but I am a Muslim. I was born a Muslim. I made Hajj. Um, And it is a religion of peace and, and, you know, enlightenment and understanding. Um, My grandparents, my mother's siblings were... Um, in a Baptist, and so I used to go to the church a lot you know when fun when church, I would go to yeah. <laughs> when yeah, I would go to my friends bre- <laughs> fun church I would go to, we would go to our grandmother's like after camp or during holidays and so I'm like I'll go to church my <laughs> sisters were like you're going to church again you know and I loved it I loved the gospel music and it was um episcopal I, I don't remember but it, whatever it uh Baptist like religion.
0: Seventh-day Adventist? No,
1: it wasn't that. Um, I can't even think of it right now, but it's the kind where you get really excited. Pumped up, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, right. And I would see people like getting the Holy Ghost, and I was waiting to get the Holy Ghost, <laughs> <laughs> but I would never get it you, oh, no. know? But it. you know, I say that to say, I do believe in a higher power. When I made Hajj, I experienced a religion that was no dysfunction, at least I didn't feel any kind of dysfunction. It was very loving and kind and peaceful, and it it was just something really beautiful. And and so it reminds you that, you know, Mm -hmm. your life is to have meaning, that we are to lend ourselves, um, that You know it is inevitable that each of us will perish and while we're here we make the best of it we give the most and 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 if there is injustice which i think is so unfortunate can you imagine if there was none that would be
0: great i think that's called heaven
1: if there was no you know sexism genderism xenophobia racism you know and we were able to live our lives Based on the passions that we have, I wouldn't have done this work, right? I probably would um, be gardening. I would be a singer. I can't Ooh. sing. A swimmer, you know. There are so many things that I love. I love design, interior decorating. There's so many things that I love, but, you know, I, I focus on injustice because th- those are the kind of values that my parents instilled.
0: And so um, in terms of successes, what has been your, your greatest success in life on a professional?
1: On a professional? Making sure that my father's legacy was more accurate and, and reflective of who he was. Because, um, you know, there was this false image of right. Malcolm, right? Instead of... Seeing his compassion and what he was fighting against at such a young age, there was this false image of him. And so I set out to write books, um, a children's book, middle school book, young adult books that, as my mother, you know, often said, the work wasn't to glorify Malcolm. It was to ensure the next generation were beneficiaries of, of that work.
0: Because a lot of people do speak um, very lovingly about Martin Luther King, for example, but those words are not always shared about Malcolm X. That's right,
1: that's right. And, you know, when the reality is that both challenged injustice. Uh, Dr. King's contribution was civil rights. My father's contribution was human rights. You know, he said that uh, we demand uh, What did he say? We demand our human rights as your brother, ordained by God. And that was what his work was. So I think that it's misinformation. You know, instead of looking at the injustices, Mm -hmm. right, that um, he was fighting against, we look at the fact that he's fighting
0: what is your what is your fondest when you think of your father in a personal setting what's your fondest memory do you have any memories
1: um so my father i wasn't quite three years Four, old three, yeah, yeah. yeah and um so the images that i have and the stories because my mother kept the stories very much alive as did you know my uncles and aunts and so forth and that my mother was the disciplinarian and my father was you know the really. <laughs> right You're you know the he was from um the midwest Omaha, Nebraska. He grew up with, you know, grass and, you know, trees and farm. And, um, you know, he had a love of nature, butterfly collection. Um, so he was the mushy parent, you know, the, the easy parent. And, um, and my mother was more the disciplinarian.
0: You did experience both of your parents passing, and they were both premature. Um, I just experienced my father passing as well, which was also premature, he was 67. And I was wondering if you have any advice for people who are going through a situation like that on how to get through it, as you've done it twice.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and I think it's much like the advice that my mother had given the woman who was interviewing her, Mm -hmm. that we learn how to adjust to the loss, but that sense of loss is always with us. Um, and finding a healthy way to adapt to it. You know, I remember asking my mother, um, how she was able to go on after. And she said, and I asked her, I was like, you know, cause I was so much younger at the time. And I, uh, she, I said, did you cry? And she was like, I cried. She never let us know that she was crying. She said, yes, she cried, but she knew that she couldn't wallow in misery because life was still going on right. and right. she had six daughters daughter. right <laughs> that's right she had six girls and right. and she sent us to summer camp in vermont with native american quaker values she sent us to private prep schools she made sure that we had an islamic and an african historic his, history tutors, um, you know, she, music lessons, dance lessons, yoga, I mean, like everything. Thing. And, and it, you, you know, and how does she do that? It's manifesting, right? Believing that you can do these things.
0: And did she ever, but did she ever give tools to do that? Like, how, mm. how did you deal with it personally? Were there specific steps that you took or specific things that you did to make it easier?
1: Understanding that every single person in this world is going to experience loss, and it's really up to you how you will adapt to that, not to take it personal, right? Why did God take him from me? Why did God take her from me? Not to take it personal, it's inevitable, right? Yeah. Life is going to continue regardless. And we don't wanna find ourselves, you know, yeah. taking back steps, right. but continuing to ride that wave and continuing to love yourself and be grateful for all that we have around us. My mother often said, find the good and praise it.
0: Okay. Excellent. So. You are a very successful black female entrepreneur. Your parents um, started very important work. When you were born though, Ruby Ridges still had to walk through that front door of the public school, you know, escorted by US marshals. Governor George Wallace was still to block black students from the university. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 yet had to be passed. So there was so much that still had to be done. And through your lifetime that has happened, do you feel that the progress that's been made has been enough?
1: Um, n- well, no, certainly not, right? Because um, people are still being, innocent people are still being gunned down, murdered. Um, there's an inequity in education. Um, and equity, you know, on so many levels. And one of the things that um, I tell my students often is when we look at Brown versus the Board of Education, the focus was to integrate schools, was to send um, pe- black people from impoverished communities, from underserved communities, into white communities where the um, distribution of, 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 um, of resources are higher in those communities, and, and rather focus on the education curriculum. Because black children don't need to go into a white school that has a, a swimming pool and books and so forth and white children don't need to go into an underserved community that doesn't have those things. What we need is to ensure that the education curriculum is accurate, that it's inclusive of historical facts, right? Mm-hmm. Let's take history class, for example, world history. We learn about the contributions that Romans and Greek made to our society. And we also learn that Africa is the cradle of humanity, right? The cradle of civilization, thriving civilizations. We learn about the pyramids and so forth. But imagine if we learned about the empires of Mali, um, the empires of Ethiopia, you know, where Christianity began, where books, first books were ever written. We learn about their architecture you know, the pyramids, all of these really significant contributions of humanity, regardless that it's in Africa, right? So we know that black people made significant contributions. Let's learn about them, right? Mm -hmm. And not shortchange our students. And that way we can learn to love ourselves we can learn to love our neighbors um you know i'd like my students to understand contributions that everyone made in some way and 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 then share and have that respect and and learning exchange and all that other stuff
0: mm-hmm. I mean, is that something you're working on right now it sounds
1: like you well, <laughs> that's what i do in my you know that's what i've been doing in the you know like the past uh 10 years or so where in college.
0: As a professor.
1: Yes, as a professor. Mm-hmm. And then also with my books, you know, and um, I did a, you know, if I say so myself, I wrote a great article for L. lcom <laughs> L. L. magazine, um, about the inequities of education and how, you know, we're shortchanging our young people mm-hmm. and how important it is for we, for us, smart, forward-thinking, critical, thinkers um to to take um initiative and ensure uh responsibility for our our young people that they are learning accurate information
0: i'd love to read that article okay (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to put that article in the description of the podcast um so there are many books um movies series that try to embody what your parents were all about and about their journey and about their work And some of them you wrote, some of them you helped produce. If you could choose one of those movies, books, series, articles, which one would you recommend the listeners or the viewers to watch or read?
1: Malcolm X, Make It Plain. I think that was a really good one. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's hard to to get the book now, but it's a great book. Um, There's also a documentary um, Malcolm X make it plain, and um, the one, the, the the Netflix, the recent one with uh, Muhammad Ali, and um, my father, Blood Brothers. I think that was really, really well done. Um, Marcus Clark, Kenneth Burles, um, just a bunch of really great people um, did justice to uh, Malcolm's legacy and 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 his influence on. Muhammad Ali, how he mentored Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali said to me once, you know, I looked up at him and I said, did you really love my father? And he said, Ilyasa, if I did not meet Malcolm, my epitaph would have read, here lies the greatest boxer. But because I met your father and because he was his mentor, his teacher, his epitaph, will read so much more
0: because there's so much out there
1: there is and one of my books my most recent book the awakening of malcolm x and i don't say it because it's my book but in it we discover that malcolm did not read the dictionary because he didn't know how to read or write he read the dictionary because he was the star debater and he wanted to he had a he was fascinated by etymology the root of words and he knew that he could be even better
0: I love etymology. I have the <laughs> word of the day. I have the word of the day every day. Yeah. And then I try etymology. to... <laughs> etymology. Etymology. Um, so last question already. If you could have coffee with anyone in the world, dead or alive,
1: who would it be? Oh, goodness. Who would that be? Gosh, would be so many. I hate to say this. I mean, yeah, listen it would be Michael Jackson, No, it would be my mother, it would be my father, it would be um, Aset and Aser, I know, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I okay, don't know that I could five. just, I would choose <laughs> Malcolm X, that's who I would choose, I would choose my father. It would be great if I could say someone else, but it would be my father, yeah. yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being here, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.